Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, I told first service that I couldn't help but being in this place, thinking about my son, Eric. It's Mother's Day weekend, and uh, I remembered many, many years ago when he was small, how he would um, mash together his favorite words to express something. And it got me to thinking, you know, the music's been amazing today, right? And for, for here on earth, that's pretty good. But I sometimes think that from God's viewpoint, the best music that we have sounds like my little son trying to mash together words to express how much. And what, what it reminded me of is when, when Eric was little, he, um, he would say, I love you, right? But if he was like really feeling it, his favorite word was bounce. He liked to bounce. And so he would say, I love you, mommy bounce, if he was like really feeling it. You know what I'm saying? I love you, daddy bounce. And I think sometimes we overestimate how good our music is compared to God, but we can never underestimate what it means to a parent's heart to hear it. Because my daddy's heart, my wife's mommy's heart, Whenever Eric would say that, I love you, Daddy Bounce, we didn't go, those two, that doesn't really go. What you're trying to say is I really love you. Now we're like, oh. <laughs> and that's what God does for us. Let's go ahead and do a quick recap of where we've been. We've been doing a series on the Ten Commandments. We're calling to rise to love at work. Um, love at work. See a little acronym going on there? Yeah, okay, just making sure. And, uh, and so the premise of this whole thing is that when we look at the Ten Commandments, we need to look at them as not a list of rules and restrictions, but rather what God envisions love being practiced to look like. So what the Ten Commandments are. They aren't God saying, don't do this, don't do that. It's God saying, when you love somebody, this is what it should look like. So in the first commandment, what we found out was that only God saves us. The second commandment told us that we don't want to put God in a box by putting him inside something that we can make. Because if we can make it, it's definitely not big enough to contain God. The third commandment teaches us that what we say about God matters. And it's not just the words that come out of our mouth. It's the way that we behave. It's our actions. The fourth commandment tells us that we can rest because Jesus has already done all the work. We skipped over the fifth because we wanted to save it for Mother's Day weekend. The sixth said, don't take life in any way. Instead, give life. And the seventh that we did last week says, we must love our spouse like God loves us. This week, I'm going to suggest to you that the fifth commandment tells us that spiritual blessings flow from a proper respect for life givers. 
Spiritual blessings flow from a proper respect of life givers. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you've already spoken to us today. We felt you in the music. We heard you whisper to us in the brass. When the cymbals and drums played, we felt you in our soul. And now, Lord, as I speak, Lord, I pray you would be in me. I don't want to do this. I want you to do this. And so I pray that there would be a word from you for each person here and that you would be in them so they can receive it. We pray in your name. Amen. So this is what the fifth commandment says, in case you hadn't read it in a while. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Pretty simple. Pretty simple as we, and yet pretty hard, right? Honor your father and mother so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Let's go ahead and take a look at a couple things here. The first thing that we need to clear up is what this word honor means. If you're new here, you might not know that the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in different languages. So in this text, this text was written in Hebrew. And Hebrew doesn't always perfectly translate into English. Wycliffe, I'm looking at you here on the first row here, and I know you speak Portuguese, right? Does everything perfectly translate from English into Portuguese? I, th- I know I have a lot of Portuguese speakers here, so that's why I was wanted to use that. So for those of you who are listening in the uh, Russian translations, by the way, really cool new thing that we have on our app, you can listen to your language through earbuds, so just, just saying that. Anyway, but things don't, things don't perfectly translate, and sometimes it's impossible to find a word that really does justice. So you have to mash a bunch of words, and you still feel like, I don't know if you really got it. So let's talk about this word, honor. It means to make heavy. In Hebrew, it means to make heavy. We could also say in our language, to give weight to. You've heard that expression, right? Say, well, I'll give some weight to that opinion. To give weight to. So let's go ahead and try that out. Give weight to your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. So we need to give weight to our father and mother. Okay. Why do we do that? Well, we don't want to die because God will smite you if you don't do it. Right? Oh, wait. No, this is a promise. So this isn't God being mean, okay? So I'm just checking with you to make sure you're still with me. I know we said that this was the afternoon service, but sometimes, you know, afternoon is nap time sometimes. I'm just saying, okay. So anyway, so this tells us that we are to go ahead and give weight to our father and mother so that our days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. If... It were a long life that was promised out of respect for your parents, then Jesus apparently didn't keep this commandment. He died young. So can we go ahead and just with that, I know that's just one very quick, but can we just agree that living a long life doesn't mean that you 
is not necessarily what this is talking about. What becomes important for us to understand is the way the Israelites viewed the relationship to the land. When you look at this word land in the original language, this is the same word that was used in Genesis when it said that God created human beings out of the dust of the earth and dust of earth, earth, land. So what God is saying here becomes kind of beautiful when you start thinking about it. In the original place that these people lived, there was an understanding that they were all a part of one thing together. And so while we in the United States tend to think of ourselves very individualistic, I think about me, and so that's why when I read this verse, I think so that my days may be long upon the land that the Lord gave me, what an Israelite would have heard is so that our covenant relationship may last through the ages, which is another way that you can actually translate that word day, that your um, days, so that my covenant relationship with God may last through the ages and be passed on to my children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, and so that the covenant promise of relationship with God would be passed on when I uphold the honor of my parents, when I give them weight. What do you think about that? Some of you are going to have to go home and think about it a little bit. It's okay. It's all right. So, how many of you have been told that the first four of the commandments have to do with our relationship with God and the last six have to do with our relationship with human beings? Heard that? I'm not, I'm just, if you heard it, because I'm not asking if you believe it, because I'm about to tell you I don't believe it. Okay? The fifth commandment actually is a mesh of both. The fifth commandment actually kind of transitions us from our responsibilities to God into our responsibilities for humanity. And yet, if you keep on reading, all those responsibilities that come after it also apply to God. After all, God says, don't commit adultery. And then he says, you've committed adultery on me. He says, you've, we, we know we murdered Jesus, right? We covet the things that God has. Anyway, we can, we'll, we'll go ahead and we steal from God occasionally. I'm not doing the tithe sermon yet, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but, but, my point is, we do ourselves a disservice when we try to just lop it here and then, and just, okay, well, this is God's and this is, there's a flow and a beauty to these commandments that includes so much more. And when you look at the fifth commandment, it's not just talking about your earthly parents. It's talking about God. After all, God calls us his fa- our, himself our father, right? Jesus said, our father, which art in heaven, to start off the Lord's prayer. But I think something that sometimes we, we neglect to understand is that Jesus and God, well, let me rephrase this, that God is a spirit, meaning that he is neither male nor female, even though we'll often refer to them with a male pronoun. Check this verse out. I think this is a fascinating verse. Deuteronomy 32, 18. You have neglected the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth. What do you see there? You see yourself being told that God fathered you, 
and he birthed you. Male, female. God considers himself our father and our mother. Isaiah 49, 15, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for a child that she has born? But even if that were possible, I would never forget you. That's beautiful language, isn't it? I've not been a mother, but what I can tell from watching my wife and my mom is that there's this bond between a mother and their children. You know, you don't want to get in between them, right? You only get sideways. Because mamas, mamas love their kids. Now, I know there's some moms that, that fall short. But even if that were possible, God says, that's not me. And so when we look at this commandment, we see God talking to us about himself, honor, give weight to me, your life giver. And so what we're really seeing here, when we see mother and father, we're talking about life givers. We're talking about people who give us life and we are to give weight to those people. Now, the best way I know how to tell you, because the question I always get is, okay, Ken, but my parents were rotten. What does that mean? How I have to treat them? How do you honor somebody who's not honorable? How do you give weight to someone who doesn't deserve weight? And I want you to know that's a fair question. Some of you have been hurt incredibly deeply by family. I can't begin to understand what it's like for you. And so it can be difficult to read this passage and think, oh, really? I have to give weight to a person who never gave a rip about me. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father and mother who will step into the void. But the best way for us to know how to treat our earthly parents is to look at Jesus. So let's take a look at how Jesus treated his parents. In Luke 2, there's a, a really fascinating story. I think sometimes we like to skip over it really quick because we tend to venerate Mary, right? I know we're not Catholic, but still we tend to venerate her sometimes. We kind of make her this perfect person. And the thing that I can tell you about Mary and Joseph is that they were not perfect people. God did not pick perfect people to be the parents of his child, of his son, pardon me. I can tell you that from reading Luke chapter two. I have lost a lot of things in my life. I have lost my keys. I have lost my wallet. I even once lost my passport. And I don't like to say this, but there's been at least once or twice I may have lost my children. <laughs> if you wanna hear a traumatic story, ask Rochelle about the time a tornado came through the summer camp I was working at and somebody said, where are your children? So anyway, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that right now. I'm just giving you something you can talk to Rochelle about if you want. With that said, my children were safe. <laughs> no thanks to me. <laughs> but I want you to know that Jesus' parents make me feel good about myself. <laughs> because Jesus' parents lost him for three days. 
I have not lost my children for more than a couple of hours at the most. Yeah, honesty isn't always a good thing. All right, so. But no, Jesus' parents, seriously, they, they're at this huge festival. I mean, when I'm at a festival, that's when I'm paying attention to where my kids are. Stay away from that smoke that's coming up over there and go ahead and stay away from those people and hold my hand and, right? Jesus' parents are like, sweet, have fun. And then they're like, oh, it's time to go. And they start headed for home. And they get way down the road. And late at night, they're like, I don't think Jesus had supper with us. And then they start to panic. And as any parent who's ever had this happen knows, you start to panic and they run back into Jerusalem. And three days later, they find him. And what do they do when they find him? What any good mother or father would do. It's your fault, Jesus. Why did you do this to us? So don't tell me Jesus had perfect parents. Jesus had parents just like you and me do. In some cases, they're better. In some cases, they're worse. But he had parents just like we do. And what becomes incredibly instructive to me is that in Luke 2.51, right after this incident happens, it says that Jesus returned with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. He was obedient to them. Keep in mind, this is a 12-year-old who is turning 13, 14, going into his teen years. So this, is, this becomes an even more incredible statement about the perfection of Jesus. Teens, children, God asks you to be obedient to your parents, even though they're not perfect. He asks you to show them the proper respect because as dumb as you may think they are, they have lived a couple more years than you have. They have made the same kind of mistakes that you are going to be wanting to go for yourself. Why? Because you have the same genes that we have and we know what we did and we know what you don't, we don't want you to do. <laughs> Colossians chapter three tells us children, Obey your parents. This pleases the Lord. And then it says something equally apparent, because I know there's going to be some parents that are going to go home and be like, Pastor Ken said, did you not listen to this? Sorry. Well, and here's what you will respectfully say. I heard that. And then look hard at them and they'll know exactly because you're not going to say it. You're just going to look hard at them because the next part is children, obey your parents this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. This is a two-parter, guys. It's a two-parter. Now, that's not excuse children to be disrespectful. But what it does say, parents, is we have some obligations on our plate as well. We have some obligations on our plate as well. So the next lesson that we can learn from Jesus is that God comes first. Is there a, a statue of limitations on how long we have to obey our parents? There's some parents going, yes, there is no limitation. You will do what I want for the rest of your life. I want to suggest there is a statue of limitations on the obedience part, but not on the respect part. 
When you grow up and move out of the house, parents, there is a time to snip the cord as hard as it is to do it. And another thing, parents, for those of you who have children that are getting married, their first obligation is their spouse, not you. Their first obligation is their spouse, not you. Take it for somebody who's learned things the hard way in life. First obligation, first obligation is to their spouse. So that means that when you say you need to do this and the spouse says, I don't think that's a good idea, they're not being disobedient to not do what you've asked. They're actually doing what God designed to happen. Remember the Bible says, for a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. The two shall become one. So there is a statue of limitations on the do what I say part of things, but there's no statue of limitations on the honor and respect side of things. So that takes us to our second part. Don't use God as an excuse. I didn't tell you about Jesus in this last one, did I? Look, Jesus said, who are my mother and brothers? Anyone who does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. This tells us one more important thing that I didn't put up on the screen, but I want you to think about. If we're doing God's will, he said we're his brother, sister, and mother. And what that means is that there are some of you here today who ache to be a mom on this Mother's Day. For some of you, it's because you've lost a child. Maybe you were never able to have children. And there is a pain and a hurt inside you because of that. And I want you to know that if that's you, my heart is with you and my prayers are with you too. I know how badly Rashawn I wanted to have children. But here's what I also want to say to you. There are a lot of people in this congregation, in this world, who need some spiritual mothers. And spiritual mothers can be even more important at times than biological mothers. Because giving birth is something that can happen, but being a spiritual mother is something that you choose, choose, choose. Third lesson from Jesus, don't use God as an excuse. In this way, you say, they don't need to honor the parents. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, the folks who are in charge of things at that time basically said, look, in their society, their time, they were told that they had to support their parents in their old age. But the church found a clever way to raise more tithe money, offering money. And they said, here's what you do. We're going to go ahead and say the figure is, nah, what would you probably have spent on your, on your family? Well, we're just going to guess you would have spent $80,000. Okay, donate that to the church and then just tell your parents, sorry, I donated what I was going to do to support you to the church, so God's more important. You understand. We can laugh at that, but we do that in some ways today, don't we? We neglect obligations, not because God's telling us to, but because we're using God as an excuse to get out of doing something that we don't want to do. So we can't use God's excuse because that's Jesus lambasts them. He said, in this way you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. I have to be very careful that we don't mistake our traditions 
for the word of God. A lot of us think that there are things that God said that you cannot find in the Bible because it's only something that you have been taught as you grew up and then you just assume that it was part of the Bible. Lesson number four, always take care of mom and dad. If there's anything that's instructive, it's what Jesus happens to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross as recorded in John 19. I cannot imagine what must have been going through Jesus' mind as he suffered on that cross, taking on the sins of the world, the physical agony, the spiritual, the emotional agony that was going on. And yet in the midst of all of that, Jesus did not forget about his mom. He did not forget that in his time, in his culture, that a woman without a man to take care of her, and I'm not saying that women can't take care of themselves, don't, don't, don't mishear me, but in that time, in that place, a woman without a man to take care of her was a woman in deep trouble and deep distress. And Jesus made sure there was a man to take care of his mom while he was hanging there on the cross. Family, we have an obligation to help take care of our parents. And sometimes it can be hard and it can be painful and it can be long and it can be very difficult, particularly for those of you who parent, have parents that are ungrateful and don't show any appreciation for the help. But that doesn't change the fact that God has asked us to give the proper respect to our family. I'm not saying it's easy. God's word isn't always easy, folks. But what I am saying is that we have an obligation according to God's word. That does not mean we have an obligation to be emotionally abused physically abused, but it means that we do need to show proper weight and that will look different depending on the situation. But what I do know about it is this. At this church, we have some values. And what I know is that what God expects from us when it comes to taking care of our family is those first four of our values. He expects us to love our parents to choose to embrace them in the 1 Corinthians 13 way that we talked about. And that can be hard. And I know that God doesn't use the word love, love your parents. He uses the word honor because honor is actually harder than love, not easier. And so we are expected to love our parents. We are expected to show grace, forgiveness, and acceptance. Those are the things that are due to our family. And if you are struggling with that today, if you find yourself in that place where you struggle, please do not hear condemnation. I have heard stories that made me want to go find parents and show them the love of Jesus in a very hands-on manner. <laughs> so if that's you, please don't hear condemnation. But what I do ask you to do is ask God to give you grace to do what is hard. So I think it's fitting as we close to ask you to do something. I would love it if at some point today, you would take your phone out, your computer out, whatever you want, send a text message, send an email to your mom. It can be your biological mom. 
It could be a spiritual mom, somebody who has spiritually nurtured you. Tell them what you appreciate about them. Tell them the difference that they made in your life. It might be hard in some cases. You might have to think for a while about exactly what you want to say. But I want to encourage you to take the time to do it. Maybe you want to do it while we're playing music right now. But at some point in this day, take the time to let a mom know that she is honored. So I'm actually going to start it off. Oh, taking my job. Yeah, no. I just was... uh, I just had to, I was just touched. I was uh, sitting here and uh, straight ahead of us is your mom. And uh, I was watching her and your children. She was putting her hand towards you, Gabby. And that touched me. There's nothing like a mom that loves their kids. So I'm sorry, I'm not trying to call you out, but it just touched me. So I'm sorry. I have to have that moment. So there you go. But Um, that's the love of moms for their kids, isn't it? We want our kids to be blessed. You know, moms want their kids to be blessed. Dads do too. So thanks for touching me today. And I'm incredibly blessed as well to have the mother I do. So, wow. Why do you do this to me? That's not nice. (laughs) I guess I was going to cry. You needed to too. (laughs) Okay. Let's get to the questions. Hopefully none of them make us cry. Okay. So first question is anonymous. It says, how can I still honor my children while they are teenagers and difficult and want to do the opposite of whatever you advise them? Uh, Come back for the three-week seminar um, that will be put on by somebody else. Um, Parenting's hard. The Bible doesn't tell us, by the way, the Bible says that we are to honor our parents. And I do think we need to honor our children, but we also need to remember the proper weight thing when we talk about weight. Um, children deserve a different kind of respect than, a, than their parents do. And it is our job as parents sometimes to do the hard things that they're not going to enjoy, um, but to care about them. And my encouragement to all of us as we parent is to parent with love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. And be okay with being an imperfect parent. I um, apologize to my children on a pretty regular basis because there are just times I, I lose it and I talk to them in a way I'm not proud of. And if you're not a parent that can apologize to your child, you're going to raise a child that can't apologize. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can't speak on this. I'm not a parent. If anything, I'm the teenager who wanted to do the opposite. So, I mean. I was going to invite Gil to come up here and do some some Q&A too, but. That's funny. All right. So, on the opposite, how do you reconcile this commandment when you have toxic parents? Yeah. That's the reality of life, isn't it? Um, That There are are many people who have toxic parents that are um, abusive. Um, in some cases, they don't seem to even want to have a relationship. And that's why I think it's interesting that the word is give the proper weight to. And what that means is that if a parent doesn't want to have something to do with you, it doesn't mean that you don't respect them, but maybe that is respecting them to say, okay, that's what you want. Okay. 
Um, and sometimes the proper thing is also to say, if you are going to be abusive, we have to have limits on the way that we're going to interact. Um, and it's not because I hate you. It's because I care about you and I care about me enough to be sure that you aren't abusing me. Um, and so that's a very difficult thing. I'd urge you, if you find yourself in that situation, find a good pastor to talk to, find a good counselor to talk to. There's nothing easy about it. Um, and so walk with somebody through that because the answers aren't easy. So in the aspect of, you know, setting boundaries, what happens when that looks like dishonor or it looks like disobedience? Yeah, um, I think that we have to remember that um, ultimately we answer to God. And so if you can sleep okay at night with your relationship with God, then you're doing okay. Um, mom and dad can have their opinion on what they are owed. Um, but ultimately, we have to ask God what it is that is owed and then live by that. Um, and there are some parents that no matter what their child does, it will never be enough. Um, and so we have to go ahead and, again, get people around you who can give you wise advice, spiritual people who can give you good advice. Such as yourself. <laughs> I was actually referring to Pastor Anderlein, So, Oh, got it. So, got yes. it. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Ken. It's You're very always welcome. a pleasure. Always. Good job, Gabby. Thank, thank you. Thank you. The promise in today's message is that when we honor our parents, we extend godliness down through the generations. And that's what we want to do here at Whole Life. It's not just about me now. It's about always. It's about continuing a legacy of godliness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We can't wait for you to come back. Help us to give the proper weight to our parents, even when it's hard. Thank you for being the perfect parent. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, family, don't forget, ladies, we have a gift for you. If you are a lady here today, we would love to give you a gift as you walk out. There'll be some people with baskets. Go ahead and take that gift that's there for you. And don't forget, I love you, Bounce. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the whole life church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.